Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Crunching the numbers. Thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. A mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which has tennis for everyone. Perfect for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Close to Melbourne Airport with accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au. Hello, this is Stephen Huss and welcome to another episode of Crunching the Numbers. As usual, I'm joined with co-host Chris Tonts. Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. It's great to be back on. I think throughout this show, uh, we have touched on numbers to do with power and speed of shot. Um, but today we want to get uh, pretty explicit. Shane Leonard, your data-driven sports analytics, has been uh, kind enough to share the averages for 2023 for the men and the women. Uh, so we're going to look at ground stroke speed on both sides and serve speed, first serve and second speed. And we're going to, I'm going to, te- we're going to tell the listeners what the averages are, uh, so what they're working towards. And then I just want to touch on um, a couple of junior experiences that I saw. Uh, one was in New York, and one that I saw on a video of some of the speeds that uh, the players are serving at in the younger years. So. But before we get into that, let's do a um, let's do a quick recap of what we just saw at the at the U.S. Open. Chris, tell me, you know, what stood out to you? Was there anything in particular in the men's or the women's with the tournaments there? Women's final was interesting. I, I felt like it seemed like Sabalenka was determined to maybe try to break down Coco's forehand. Kept trying to pick on that a little bit. I, I felt like Coco's really improved in that area, but it was just interesting that match just turned around in the second set. And it looked like Sabalenka couldn't recover. She couldn't find that right balance of maybe trying to be aggressive, but still kind of limiting some of her mistakes. And Coco did an incredible job, I thought, defending and making her play one more ball. All the girls down in San Diego here, all the women pros, which is really cool to see, they're all watching. They're all, everyone was glued to the final. That's cool when you see some of these top-ranked girls and they're watching as well. A couple of things that stood out for me was if we look at the strengths of each finalist on the women's side, I think that, you know, Coco Goff's athleticism certainly helped her win that final as far as being able to get to more balls of Sabalenka's. You know, Sabalenka is probably the hardest hitter on tour. And I think Coco's athleticism allows her to get to more balls. And certainly in that third set, she was really lifting her forehand and playing with a lot of shape. And and that was frustrating Sabalenka to the point where she imitated it there at the end. I don't know if you saw that, but um, I think Coco's athleticism is something that really stood out to me. And actually being in New York and watching one of her matches, that is absolutely elite and I think the best in the world um, as an athlete on the tennis court so congratulations to her and her team Uh, I certainly remember seeing her as a 13 year old in about a 10-day camp and uh, she was excelling there and not only with her athleticism but I believe another big thing that we both really think is important is competitiveness she's a really good competitor Um, she's very gritty so yeah congrats to her and her team 
Perhaps a comment on the men's final. I mean, the physicality and the athleticism that these that these guys have is incredible. Uh, they're playing, you know, Medvedev's playing so far back and the tactical nous that Novak had to really use his serve and volley to the juice court with the wide serve, I thought was uh, was outstanding and that kept working for him over and over again. It was really only in the last game that Novak... Uh, got passed with a return on the forehand on the juice court. I think the uh, Medvedev's coach up there was pretty frustrated that he hadn't done anything to adapt to that play. Um, but again, great tactical nous, incredible athletes. Uh, I think that they're, we're going to talk about the speed of shot today. I think that their power is good, but perhaps they're not, neither one of them is the biggest hitter on tour. So it just proves that there's different ways to do it. But uh, certainly two really good finals, two really good tournaments if you talk about the men and the women. So it was, uh, it was. I know we were both in New York and spent some time together there. So that was fun to catch up with you. I also wanted to mention, I did see a little bit of the juniors before I left. I went and saw the number one seed from Slovakia, last name Jamrichova. And uh, it was interesting to note, she's hitting a first serve about 111 miles an hour. So we're talking, you know, high 170s kilometers per hour, 178 about. Um, and she's doing damage from behind the baseline, the back of the court. She's a tall, lean girl, long levers. Um, and just the speed of her shot was pretty impressive at her age, um, I'd certainly would, would love to serve at that pace as a, as a male adult. Pretty sure you had a bomb, though, Chris. So no, I'm, I'm not saying anything anymore. I get too much trouble for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's get on to the uh, speed and spin data that we got from uh, data-driven sports analytics. Uh, so let's start with the women. This is for 2023. So this is all the WTA uh, information taken from Hawkeye. And so this is the average of the women. Let's start with the serve, I think. So average first serve speed is is 98 miles per hour or 157 kilometers an hour. Perhaps I'll start with kilometers, seeing as though I think... uh, our listeners are mainly uh, Australian. And the second serve speed is 132 kilometres an hour, which is 82 miles per hour. Anything surprise you about that? Or what are, you, what are your thoughts on those speeds, Chris, on the on the ladies hitting their serves? I, I just remember, let's say we, we talk about 2019. The second serve speed has actually gone up since 2019. The first serve speed has actually stayed the same. I, I think the big difference, and we'll get into it, is when you compare it to the men. That's the biggest difference in the in the game between the men and the women, unless you count like the movement maybe is a little bit stronger on the men's side. The, the serve speed, it really stands out. And so on the men's side, if we go to them, the average first serve is 186 kilometers per hour. That's 116 miles per hour. And the average speed for a second serve is 151 kilometers per hour or 94 miles per hour. So like you point out, these are where the biggest differences are if we're looking at um, speed of shot between the men and the women. I'm actually surprised that the average first serve speed isn't a bit higher than that. Um, I think it's pretty well accepted now that if you're going to be a good server on the ATP Tour, you need to be serving, you know, above 200 kilometres an hour. I know there are some smaller guys that can pop it and hit it, you know, 205, 210 kilometres an hour. So I was a bit surprised that 186, I I felt that was a little bit low uh, in the modern game. But obviously, you know, when you have Ben Shelton um, hitting around, you know, 238, I think, kilometres an hour in, in New York, that's, you know, we're looking at another 50 kilometres an hour for the bigger server. 
and there's obviously a few in between. But I thought that was a little a little slower than I thought. Any thoughts from you? That does surprise me that that's the the average first serve speed for the men. But the thing that's it's crazy is if you think about it, the second serve speed of the men is almost as hard as the first serve speed. It's getting pretty close, the, the second serve of the men, to the women's first serve speed. So that's, to me, where this game, it's, it's a very, they're playing the same game, but they just have the advantage, like you said, of the longer levers, and they, they can just put the serve a little bit harder. Yeah, a lot harder, I would say. And I think that's a trend in the game. I think you're going to see second serves get bigger and bigger. And I think like we've had discussions yeah. about, I think that there's going to be, you know, someone's pretty much hitting two first serves. I think Maxime Cressy's already doing that a little bit, but I think you're going to see more of that. And I think yeah. the second serve speed is going to continue to get bigger and bigger, and it's going to get closer to the first serve speed. So that would be interesting to see if we could uh, track that in, in the next sort of three to five years, whether that actually happens. All right, let's move on to the forehand. On the women's side, the average forehand speed uh, is 112 kilometres per hour or 70 miles per hour. That feels pretty quick to me. And then the spin, so they measure spin in revolutions per minute. And I think this is a statistic that is less known uh, to the general public. Um, so the average spin on the women is 1989 RPM. And let's just compare that to the guys straight away. The RPMs for the guys is 2498. So there's a significant difference in spin um, with the between the guys and the girls, but the speed isn't too significant because the men are hitting at 120 kilometers an hour, which is 75 miles an hour, and and the girls are at 112. So that's closer for speed, but the spin is what gets you. I think the uh, excessive spin that some of the guys produce, and indeed I think there are more girls round with more Western grips these days. And so I think that there are some girls that are, are producing more and more spin. That's becoming more and more common. But I think the average is still quite quite far apart with the top spin on the ball. Um, but the speed is not too far apart. Would you agree with those conclusions? Yeah, I agree. I, I got a great example of this. So Sloane Stevens was, um, was in LA this past week and her rally ball, it, it's got so much spin on it, but you, you don't want to lose the, the revolution of the ball. You want that ball to kind of jump. But it's just a, a good reminder, like w w me and her were playing points, and the more that ball's jumping at you, the harder it is to kind of attack it. And so she, she does just a fantastic job of, it's hard for me to step up and take something like that on the rise if it, if it really has some good spin to it. So yeah, I, I just got to see that kind of thing hold, that play out with, with me actually on the other end. So it's yeah, I, I can't imagine like a guy like Berrettini, who's, he's got a lot of RPMs on it, or some of the, like Alcaraz, like that ball is just such a physical ball. It can really tire you out. So if we move on to the, the backhand side, the women average speed is 107 kilometers per hour, which is 66 miles per hour. And their average spin is 1626 RPM. And on the men's side, the average speed on the back end is 111 kilometers per hour, so 69 miles per hour. And the average spin is 1671. This surprised me a little bit that the spin on the back end uh, was not significantly more for the men as it was yeah. on the forehand. So, I mean, in general, the back end, I think, is a more linear shot. I think we'd agree on that on, on in both forms of the game. But there isn't hardly any difference in the... Uh, 
in the spin between the men and the women. And again, the speed, we're only talking about three miles per hour, you know, so about uh, yeah. yeah, five or six kilometres per hour. So they're pretty close together as well. So I think that's an indication that the girls are hitting the ball pretty big and neither uh, are, are hitting with excessive spin, perhaps the way that the guys are on the forehand. I, I think I mentioned it's on another podcast. The game keeps getting bigger and bigger, but you still, I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to find the court. In terms of like the actual rotation on the ball, the spin on the backhand, what, once again, let's go back to 2019. I, I thought, okay, the men and the women were very similar in terms of how much power they were putting on the ball. Then I thought, okay, maybe the slice would affect that, uh, that maybe the men slice more than the women. And so that's why that kind of brings the average down of why the ball isn't going as high over the net. But it turns out that the men, let's say at the U.S. Open in 2019, they sliced 12% of the time and the, the women sliced 11% of the time. So there, there wasn't much difference. So, yeah, you're right. It's just more of a linear stroke on the backhand. Can you name a couple of players on the men's or the women's side that stand out for you power-wise? And obviously you could go to the obvious ones, but perhaps come up with a couple of names that, that hit the ball really big and are, and, are, and are super powerful. Who can you come up with for us on, a, on, on short notice? This is off the top of my head, but Felix? That guy hits the ball pretty, pretty big. You know, Medvedev has an interesting one. He hits the ball pretty big, but he says his ball, he wants it to kind of go through the court more. So he, he hits more of a flatter ball. I was impressed with him. The women's side, Savalenka, she clocks the ball right at Kina. They hit pretty big. Yeah. Who would you come up with? I think uh, we both know Basilishvili. Nicolas Basilishvili yeah. is one of the biggest hitters um, on both forehand and backhand side. So he hits the ball huge. Um, but as we know in this sport, it's, it's more than just power. Or it's more than just consistency. It's those two things together. And how good can you be at it? Um, I had a look at, uh, you know, probably the the up-and-comer, you know, Carlos Alcaraz now, who's already starting to dominate world tennis, although, you know, losing in the semifinals here. But his, just for example, his forehand speed averages 124 and a half. So that's pretty well above, but not, you know, not too far for his average. And then his, his RPMs are up at almost 3,000. So significantly higher than the average. Um, but I get the feeling with him, and I'm sure you'll agree, he can change rhythm with his forehand. So it's not always about hitting hard or hitting flat. He can hit it heavy with a lot of spin and make it bounce and, and force people back. And then occasionally he can just tee off on it and and really flatten it out. So he is above average for speed, but not by a whole lot. Um, but he's quite far above average for spin. And on the backhand side, he's actually slightly below average for speed, but he's above average for spin. And again, I think if you think about it from a coaching perspective, Chris, there are times where you want to hit the ball big and you want to hit the ball flat and hard, but there are also times where you want to hit the ball with angle or you want to hit the ball with shape. And so thinking about a complete player and the best players, they're going to have the ability to change the rhythm of the ball and change the shape of the ball, depending on the situation they're in or perhaps against the opponent they're playing against. From that there, I, I was watching Alcaraz during the U.S. Open and his average rally ball speed, is it's not, he can go way bigger than that. Like him and Djokovic, they both can. But I think the takeaway is they don't need to. They're playing within themselves. So sometimes you can see these numbers and say, oh man, I, I need to hit bigger. But first you need to produce a quality ball, make the ball, right? Yeah, there's times you can go bigger. And so I would say like when Alcaraz is playing Djokovic, he knows like, oh, I can't force 
I have to force mistakes out of this guy. I have to do more. You know, my ball is not good enough to my normal rally ball that might give the first or second round trouble against him. It's not giving, it's not doing enough. So then they start doing more. And then you start seeing like their winners to unforced errors starts to come down. Cause if you look through the tournament, you're talking about winners and unforced errors. They're, they always hit more, more winners than unforced errors or they're right about even, but then they start playing each other and then, they, okay, I got to do more because my average, maybe not good enough. So I think the takeaway for this is, yeah, these numbers are great as a reference point and say, okay, the game is getting bigger or playing people with power, but it's, it's what you do with it and when when you use it right so if you're missing too much first you need to find a court because i could hit the ball maybe <laughs> over 100 on my forehand but i'm not going to make many of them so that's my takeaway on it conversations that we've had over a long period of time now chris is that i think we both believe that power is an element in the sport that is important so absolutely we're trying to hit the ball big because that helps us become better players but not everybody at the top is just a fully powerful player so there's other the ways to do it if you can have a rally ball that is continually pressuring your opponent and you don't have to take much risk to hit that rally ball then you're going to be in a very good situation in that match perhaps this is for another podcast but the other elements to be successful in the game that you know that you you and I did some research on and and looked at over a long period of time was you know if you don't have a lot of power you better have pretty good skill right you better be able to do some things with the ball uh, and also the movement is a huge part of being successful um, at the highest level. The athleticism is getting better and better. We see that every single big tournament played. Uh, and then the competitiveness, like how are you doing? How are you competing? Are you able to hold up under pressure? How do you respond to adversity, et cetera, et cetera? So this episode has been very much you know, based around power, and we do think that's important. And hopefully you have the listeners have some numbers now that they can look at and know. Uh, where the game is and I think that's helpful and I do think that young people should be working on working on power and trying to produce it better and better just like to add this so I'm down here in San Diego and my my good friend Steve Adamson he's got this high performance uh, academy down here with some of the top players in the country and he said you know what are you seeing out there and what would you be working on if you were working with the juniors? And and I said, I, I still think it, it can get a little sloppy, but I would work on producing the best possible rally ball you can, especially in the first few shots. Like I would make that a priority because yeah, you're not going to, with some of these juniors, you're not going to play pros and say, I'm going to overpower them, but how, how good can I make, get that, those first few shots of that rally ball? We, we got to keep improving that. That was my takeaway today. And I think that's true. Fantastic, Chris. Yeah, totally agree. Thanks for your time again today, Chris. That'll that'll wrap up another episode of Crunching the Numbers. Thanks for being with us. And we'll see you next time. Take care. The First Serve is your home of tennis at thefirstserve.com.au. Log on to find out all the details of our live radio show, other podcasts, read weekly features by our team of writers, and follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.